0: Welcome to the Echo Church Podcast. Echo is a group of people in Cincinnati, Ohio, who love Jesus, love hanging out, and are navigating the ups and downs of our faith together. We're glad you're here. We're now in our series called Journey of the Redeemed. It's a study in the book of Luke, and as we explore the life of Jesus, we also examine our own journeys shaped by him. Sharing stories is the most important skill a person can learn today. That is what Louise Profit LeBlanc, the keynote speaker of Land StoryFest 2021, told the audience. In this world that's gone quiet, she said, quiet with isolation because of the pandemic and our dependencies on technologies, we have to be able to transmit our human thoughts one to the other. Certainly, technology cannot read our heart thoughts. Another person, another living being can detect your heart. The Story Fest was held online just this past Saturday, November 13th, created in Portsmouth, New Hampshire, to honor the heritage of the indigenous people who first lived in the New England region. Here's a photo from the day, and I just love Louise's smiling face there. Five storytellers were chosen who were Native, and they used the traditional Native American lesson stories throughout the day. And then participants got to learn how to do that as well in different sessions. Louise is a traditional storyteller from the Nacho-Niak-Dun First Nation of Yukon in northern Canada. And here's another quote she said, Despite the fact that the indigenous population of Turtle Island, which is North America, has not been treated well, we all know that history. These stories give us strength. They give us the resilience, the foundation, which we can preserve and go forward. So at this festival, the point was to share stories that were life lessons, but there were also some deeply personal, familial stories here, real experiences that people had. And with Thanksgiving approaching, I wanted us to consider some of the Native American Stories of Resilience. I I was trying to read a bunch this week, and I found the tragic and the hopeful. First, I waded through the horrifying stories that I didn't realize about the government-run schools and children removed from their households in order to try to teach them. And it felt like kidnapping for some of the families. And that happened here in the United States. And I read about the the trauma and the long-term effect that such treatment can have. Some basic resources that some of the tribes don't even have running water to this day in their land. Lauren Spears of the Narragansett tribe told the Boston Globe that Thanksgiving for her isn't always a happy time, she said. It reminds her of trauma and loss that still affects her community today. Health disparities educational disparities, and it goes on. She can see how the history continues to build. She's seeking change. So this week I also learned some two hopeful stories. One was there is a senior in high school named Koo Stevens, and he runs cross country. And his goal, so his grandfather was one of those kids removed from his home. At eight years old, he escaped the school ran into the desert for 50 miles away and finally found his home. And so Ku wanted to honor his grandfather and did a special run of, and worked up to 50 miles um, over the course of several days. But then he was like, well, I'm going to get into cross country. But he said, I want the world to see that Native Americans can be champions. And so he trained and he trained and he just won the Nevada State Championship just this year. And a second encouraging story happened this past Thursday. The U.S. Senate unanimously confirmed Chuck F. Sams III as the first Native American to be the director of our national park systems. So the, and I want to say he is from the Cayuse and Walla Walla tribes. So these stories, the tragic and the hopeful, I hope that they expand our, our perspective today. Because as Louise said, stories... Challenge us to be more human, more loving, more respectful, more forgiving, more compassionate. To take courage and have a greater sense of humility and generosity of spirit, despite what has happened in our past. Today, we're going to read two stories, two interactions that Jesus had with people. And I hope by taking in these stories, that we can do what Louise said, that we can be challenged to be more human to be more compassionate, more loving. And my hope is that we can take this in perspective this week because we are in our series, Journey of the Redeemed, and we have just spent weeks looking at Jesus' sermon. And they've had some hard challenges. But here, today, we're going to see that Jesus practiced what he preached. Now, if I can get someone to begin reading for me with this microphone, I'll set this one up. Can anyone read for me Luke 7,
1: verses 1 through 10? Thank you, Alicia. When Jesus had finished saying all this in the hearing of the people, he entered Capernaum. There, a centurion servant, whom his master valued highly, was sick and about to die. The centurion heard of Jesus and sent some elders of the Jews to him, asking him to come and heal his servant. When they came to Jesus, they pleaded earnestly with him. This man deserves to have you do this because he loves our nation and has built our synagogue. So Jesus went with them. He was not far from the house when the centurion sent friends to say to him, Lord, don't trouble yourself, for I do not deserve to have you come under my roof. That is why I did not even consider myself worthy to come to you. But say the word and my servant will be healed. So what's
0: first interesting is that here's a man with roman authority and he's going and seeking help From a jewish rabbi This would be surprising to people of the day would be a surprising for the people who were first reading the scripture Notice that the centurion he cares about this person in his household and also notice Jesus and him never they never see face to face They never interact This is something that happens from afar. And the first group of people who were sent to talk to Jesus on behalf of the centurion are Jewish people. Again, this might seem interesting, like culture of the day. The Jewish people are are living under Roman authority. And so there could be tension there. And the people who are in charge of the regions could use their power however they wanted. And so we're told that this centurion, the Jewish people are saying, Jesus, you should go and help this guy because he built our synagogue. He funded it. He loves our people. He cares about who we are as Jewish people. So that was their motivation was that they saw his deeds. But then a second group of people came on behalf of the centurion. It says it was his friends. So they didn't just know what he did. You know, your friends know your motivation. They know your heart. And so when they speak on his behalf, they share even more depth to his story. And the centurion was like, tell Jesus he, he doesn't even need to come here. I get it. Like, I don't even deserve for you to come under my roof, but you just say the word and I know it's going to happen. Just right where you stand, you can speak and my slave will be healed. And so the centurion expresses his faith. Let's notice that he expresses it in authority. He says. I follow orders. I've got people above me. I have to tell people orders below me. So when he sees Jesus, he sees a picture of authority over things. Right here, he's like, I think this guy has authority over physical healing. And Jesus has respect for the man. And to an outsider, you might think, well, here he could have kind of demanded that Jesus be brought before him. But he is... Submitting himself. This is a humbling act And finally we have the only time here in luke where we're going to hear that jesus was amazed by someone else's faith So far every time jesus acts people seem to be astonished by what he can do But here jesus is the one being surprised by someone Now I want us to think too I wonder how this made The others feel around him because jesus says I haven't seen this kind of faith in all of israel Well If his disciples are hanging around and they're kind of like hey, we left everything to follow you, but this guy's faith Uh, What about the jewish religious leaders? Like what is he saying about our faith that this guy's faith is stronger? So what was so amazing here is that this centurion wasn't He wasn't saying he had an abstract faith in god He wasn't listing all the tenets of faith that he'd memorized. He just believed that Jesus could speak and that it would actually happen. It was simple, but it was concrete. Now let's move on to Luke 7, verses 11 through 17. And if, Alicia, you'd like to read again, if you feel the need, you did a great job the first time. We're going to see a second interaction that Jesus had. It says, it's shortly after this miracle.
1: Soon afterward, Jesus went to a town called Nain, and his disciples and a large crowd went along with him. As he approached the town gate, a dead person was being carried out, the only son of his mother, and she was a widow. And a large crowd from the town was with her. When the Lord saw her, his heart went out to her, and he said, Don't cry. Then he went up and touched the coffin, and those carrying it stood still. He said, Young man, I say to you, Get up. The dead man sat up and began to talk, and Jesus gave him back to his mother. They were all filled with awe and praised God, and a great prophet has appeared among us. They said, God has come to help his people. This news about Jesus spread throughout Judea and the surrounding country.
0: I forgot to note in the last one that we see that the healing happened, and Jesus never even said a word didn 't wave his hands, it just seemed to have happened now. here Jesus physically is interacting there 's this translation what we had on the screen said instead of coffin it said beer b i e r I had to remind myself that was like the the board that they would carry the body out on, so that is what Jesus is touching and interacting with but let 's first set the scene because I kind of skim over this and but he's like, Jesus is coming into town and he says there's, there's a large crowd with them. So he's got this big entourage. You know, what if, what if they're like pointing out the beauty of the day? What if they're laughing and they're like, Jesus, tell us another one of those tongue twisters like we talked about last week, like good fruit, bad tree, bad, good tree, bad. Anyway, so they're walking along and I just feel like it's a kind of a joyous, raucous occasion because, you know, There's nothing somber and they're just having fun. And then out of this gate is a very different crowd. But it says that this woman is leading another group. So Jesus is coming this way, a group behind him. This woman is coming out and a group is behind her. They have a very different demeanor. Here's what's interesting. In their culture of the day, people would have been tasked with the goal of mourning with her. So that this woman was not crying out in grief. And her screams in the air were not the only ones heard. People were asked to cry loudly with her. Isn't that a beautiful way to carry grief with others? They didn't want her voice to be the only one. So she's coming out in this crowd and it's probably loud. And there are tears and there is wailing. And these two groups intersect. Note this, the woman never asks anything. She is just in her grief. Maybe she doesn't even pay attention that Jesus and this group is there. Probably not. If you've ever experienced a loss, the rest of the world disappears. You kind of zoom in. And yet Jesus notices her. And Maybe you think, well, it's loud and it's very noticeable, but he like sees her, you know? And somehow he knows that her situation isn't just that she is mourning this one loss. It says she is also a widow. She has experienced loss before. To lose her husband and now her only son. It says Jesus' heart went out to her. We get to to see the inner workings of Jesus' heart here. It says, went out to her. It's like our words for compassion and empathy. To fully feel someone's pain. Not just see it, but to feel it. That's what empathy is. And, and you see that in Jesus right here. So he initiated, he took the step forward. It says he raised him from the dead. And again, the Bible can be amusing. Like this guy just started talking. Like, do you think he was finishing the thought of the last thing he had right before he died? Like he just like woke up talking but what a beautiful miracle it was here today. And the people, what was their response? They were all like praising God and said, a great prophet. They were like, Jesus is a prophet. So it makes you wonder why in this moment, why are they talking about him being a prophet? Like he's done other miracles, but now that he's raising someone from the dead, why would they be bringing up Jesus as a prophet? The people were likely recalling, the great prophets in their own history. In 2 Kings 5, the prophet Elisha was sent to heal. He was sent by God to a non-Jewish officer, Naaman. That sounds a lot like what Jesus did with the centurion, a non-Jewish officer, and he healed someone in his household. 1 Kings 17, Elijah raises a widow's son back to life looks like what jesus just did here and luke luke feels this connection and so he's writing these together because he wants us to read he wants us to know our history he wants us to connect these two to be like yes jesus is in the line of these prophets yet he was more and like the prophets in ancient israel's history he's going to be rejected for the truth that he speaks out loud I don't want us to miss connecting all that we've been studying, all that we've built on before. We said Jesus was practicing what he's preaching, right? Three weeks ago, Jesus listed all these blessings and woes. And one of the things he said was, blessed are you who weep, for you will laugh. And surely today, Jesus was living out, bringing joy back to those who were mourning. Two weeks ago, we talked about Jesus said to show mercy to your enemies, and that is a tough task. But here, Jesus interacted with a Roman centurion, and he represented those who were labeled as enemies in that day, enemies of the Jewish people. And finally, last week, we talked about all the ways Jesus said, you got to bear good fruit. You got to live out what you believe, just like A wise builder building on a good foundation. So Jesus is living it out. He's not just preaching it and telling other people to do it. He's like, I'm going to put this into action. Now, there's a lot of different things that we can learn from each of these stories today. But I want to highlight three right now. First, from the centurion, I learned that I can trust Jesus and I can go ask him for things. I can trust that he's going to do what he's going to do. The centurion boldly asked. And Jesus said, yes. Now, I think we can all admit that we've had times where we have asked God. I don't know. Like, when I hear boldly and I read this story of the centurion, I don't think of myself. But I think of some amazing prayer warriors. I have thinking some people in my life, especially older generations, that I have seen just very boldly, confidently pray before God. Like, believing he will answer. And that's humbling to me because I don't know if I pray that way. I always want to be like, if you want to, I mean, I do believe you can, but it's just so many times I see it's not happened. And so that can kind of wear on you, you know? And I want to be honest about that because we can pray and we don't see it happening. And so then it starts to just eat away. Now, Jesus has the ability to say yes or no, and he might not have been able to go to every person's house and heal every person even from afar so for some reason he said yes here but what i get what i have the reassurance is is to know that he can know that he can and it doesn't require perfect amazing bold faith for jesus to respond but what a model here we have for the centurion the widow the mom we said she didn't even say a word we don't know much about her faith and yet jesus still acted on her behalf so i don't want us to think that we have to have this magnanimous faith to see god in action but it's so encouraging to see it when it happens and i think jesus's amazement partially is because he knows the strength it takes to have such faith now from the widow we can know that jesus sees our pain and he cares about it And as we said, not every prayer that we pray gets answered. Most of us, when we lose a loved one, they don't come back. But we have to know that we see the compassion in Jesus' heart. And I have to believe, I have to believe that it hurts. That it hurts even God when he doesn't raise people from the dead for us. Like that he sees our pain and he feels it enough to know that not everyone's coming back. And maybe it hurts just a little bit to know that he can't do that for us. I don't know. I just, I see it in, I don't think that God is without hurt. Like if you ever had to make a tough decision and you know that your decision is best for the whole. I can think of some work situations where it's like, had to make a call. And I know that this one person is going to be devastated by that choice. But I know the bigger picture. So I, keep, I have to keep trusting that the God of the universe cares about me and you in this moment, but he also is making the bigger picture happen. So that's my feelings, and my, what I get when I read from this scripture. But finally, we have Jesus. What do we learn from his actions here? I take it that he's leading with love. He didn't approach each person and check off their worship attendance. He didn't look at them and see if they've given enough money. He just loved. And he, I feel like his actions that he knew by leading with love, by healing and filling this need right here, that that would move their faith forward. But I love that it's, It's person from totally different realms, from a Roman authority with power to a a woman who would be outside, who would be very vulnerable in culture by being a widow and having no son. Very extreme parts of society, and yet Jesus showed love equally to them. Now, the story fest we talked about at the beginning This year, it was dedicated to the life and the work of Wolf Song. He was from Vermont, and he was the Abenaki traditional storyteller, and he passed away. But here's a quote that they were lifting up and helping lead their story fest. Wolf said, It is when we tell stories to each other that we pause in our busyness to look into each other's eyes and touch each other from our hearts, and that is the way it used to be a long time ago that was Jesus's way of living and he, a long time ago and i'm sure he had a full agenda he had 3 years to do a lot of ministry before he knew he was headed to the cross and yet he stopped and he listened to the story of a centurion who had a need and yet he stopped and he looked into the eyes of a woman who Couldn't even speak words, but he knew her pain. He listened and he looked, he noticed. And I, that is empathy. So on this journey, we've been asking ourselves every week, how do we live? What do we take away from this scripture? We need to empathize. This week, we have an opportunity at Thanksgiving. And I know, I know. Some of you are going to be sitting around the table with people you might not always like, even though you're supposed to. Maybe you are going to interact. Maybe you have to work through Thanksgiving, and you don't feel very thankful for that. And you've got to try to muster up the strength when everybody else is off, and you've got to go deal with people, and they're probably not going to be happy to be there either. But there's something we can do is we can show empathy. We can really try to take this season... This season is supposed to be a holiday, oh, a day of rest. Let's take the rest and try to listen to other people's stories. Maybe maybe you search and you try to learn from other people across the country, just like I was trying to Google and learn this week, you know, like to maybe honor the indigenous stories before us with this holiday. Maybe you can empathize by actually noticing the people that you don't even like and try to see their point of view, try to realize that they are a person created by God. It's a big challenge. I'm not saying it's easy. But I do believe it's possible. And I believe that when we listen well and if we notice other people for showing empathy, I believe that when you try, you are going to look like Jesus to someone. Will you pray with me? God, thank you for the opportunity to have time together, whether that's when there's a holiday on the calendar or whether that's coming here on Sundays or having coffee with people during the week. We always have chances to interact. And I just ask that you would get our attention. Help us to not be so busy in our agenda that we don't stop and notice. Help us to look around this week to look for stories, to look into the eyes of the people we pass on the street and notice them. Lord, help us to live your empathy this week. Thank you for caring about the big and the small in our lives. Thank you for noticing us even when we don't go before you first. You come to us and we praise you. Amen. Thank you for the gift of your attention today. If you ever want to join Echo Church in person, we meet on Sundays at 1030 a.m. You'll find us at 1301 East McMillan Street. That's in the Walnut Hills neighborhood of Cincinnati, Ohio, just up the street from our city's beautiful Eden Park. Find out more about us on our website, echochurch.org. Have a great week.